0: Right now, if you have your Bibles, turn with us to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. uh, It is 5th Sunday. It is our Sunday of our Lord's Supper. And as you turn into Matthew's Gospel, turn to chapter 26. Chapter 26 of Matthew's Gospel. We will be in verses 17 through 21 today and I, <laughs> I'm up here a little earlier than what I normally am so we got a little bit of time so I'm gonna take my time uh, <laughs> I'm not going. I don't have a 45 minute message prepared don't worry about that but I'm gonna take my time um excuse me with this cough drop you this uh Nothing seems to be uh, working as of right now to get rid of this cough but um uh, but God is good god is good he's he's been good to me it's been good to me and he's uh, been good to me mm. <laughs> you know when we think about a day like today i i I heard in divinity school for the first time that it was a high and holy day. I grew up in churches to where it was a day of remembrance. I grew up in churches where some Christians would see the table prepared and they would say, well, I'm not staying for worship today. There was I grew up in churches where when they saw the table prepared, they thought, oh, we're not going to really have church. I grew up in churches where they were some Christians, not all, but some Christians just didn't see the value of such a high and holy day. And this is a high and holy day. And you know, we should be ashamed of ourselves if we don't see this as one of the most important events that we can be a part of. Especially if we profess to be a a believer, a Christian, a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because with this event comes the, uh, it's more than a suggestion. (laughs) It's actually a command, as often as you do this. So he's telling us that we should be a part of this event often. And we should never look at it and take it lightly. In his book, Invitation to the Feast, Danny Bush says at the Passover meal with the disciples directly before his death and resurrection, Jesus changed the meaning of the supper from a reminder of the escape uh, of slavery from Egypt to a reminder of a sacrifice that he made to bring freedom from slavery of sin through faith in him. He gave his body and blood so mankind could have eternal and abundant life. You know, the Lord's Supper, it is indeed a high and holy experience. And I'm convinced that the last supper of G- in this recording of the last supper, Jesus gives us some insight into why We should never take this supper lightly. When we look here in the passage in verses 17 through 21, the Bible says, Now, on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man. And say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the 12. And now as they were eating, he said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. This is God's holy word. God, as we come before you today, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the holiness that we find in your word. It's set apart. It's different from any other word we would ever read. Your word, God, is truth. Your word, there is no fiction. Your word is full. It's complete. It is perfect. God, it is sinless. It is your word to us. It is your son on paper to us. And God, you loved us so much that you sent him here to this world in flesh. God, to give his life so that we could have eternal life. Help us, God, never to take your word lightly. Help us to never take the events that your word speaks to us about lightly. Help us, God, to always, always desire to spend time with you in your word God, we know that that we can do nothing pleasing to you apart from your word. So now, God, we pray that you would take your word and you would put it in our hearts and in our minds and uh, that we would apply it to our lives that we would be who you would have us to be. And God, as we observe this high and holy day, help us, God, to to turn our attention to the truth of this day and what it means to all of us and for us. For God, you have been faithful to us when we were unfaithful to you. So now God, use this time to minister to our hearts and minds and we'll praise you for whatever's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Amen. If you spend some time in verses 17 through 25, it appears real quickly that the disciples knew nothing about the Lord's intention to institute a a new ordinance in his name. It's not until we get to verses 26 through 30 that the Lord's Supper is actually instituted. So we have to ask the question, what are the disciples doing? Well, they were preparing for a Jewish Passover meal. They were preparing to celebrate Israel's deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. However, what they didn't recognize was that Jesus was about to tie his death and his uh, to about to tie his death and this supper to the Passover. Jewish tradition, held that the Messiah was going to redeem Israel during the Passover. In fact, they believed that he would redeem them on the very day that God delivered Israel out of Egypt's bondage. And by tying his supper to the Passover, Christ was proclaiming a couple things. And one thing he was proclaiming was that he is the promised Messiah. he But he wasn't just proclaiming to be the promised Messiah. He was also proclaiming that the sacrificial lamb whose blood was smeared across the doorpost and lentils in Egypt was actually a foretelling of himself. He was saying that he was indeed the lamb of God who would allow himself to be sacrificed for the sin of all man. So as we come today to look briefly at this text, we're able to read ahead and we're able to back up. So we get a clearer picture than what the disciples were getting in that moment. And we have the opportunity if we spend time in God's word to know the significance of the Lord's Supper. And if we know the significance, then we know we cannot take it lightly. So we must see this supper for what it truly is. And first thing I want us to notice right here in the text, and there's only two things I want to give us today, and that is that celebrating this supper is serious. It's a serious time. Notice that the disciples came to Jesus. Jesus did not approach the disciples. They approached him. They knew Jesus took the celebration of the Passover serious. Jesus took this celebration so serious that there was no obstacle in his way that would prevent him from observing this, this Passover. So you may be wondering, well, preacher, what obstacles, of course, was Jesus facing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we, we can see in the text that Jesus faced the obstacle of not having a home or a place of his own to observe the supper or this Passover celebration. We know this because the Bible tells us in Matthew 8 and 20 that fosses have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But this was not the only obstacle. Jesus would, this was not, this was not an obstacle that Jesus would allow To stop him from a serious celebration. So Jesus tells them to go to a certain man. Now this is a man who was picked out. The word certain here indicates something. And I can't be sure at this point exactly what it indicates. But it appears to me that this man had maybe he had had an encounter with the Lord. Or perhaps he even had been touched by the lord in some way but but jesus told him to go to a certain man jesus knew this man's heart he knew this man would be willing to open up his home to him and the disciples and that they could share in a meal in a home that jesus didn't have but not only did jesus not have a place of his own but his death was on the horizon by his own admission, Jesus says, my time is at hand. <laughs> my time is at hand. He knew what was shaping up. He knew the plotting that was taking place behind his back by his enemies. He knew, he, he was well aware of his purpose of coming to earth and taking on flesh. He knew he would suffer and die for the penalty of our sin. And, but this celebration was too serious to miss. So Jesus says, I will keep the Passover here. Jesus was stressing the importance of obedience. Now, again, the disciples didn't know that a change was coming (laughs) to the celebration. They had no idea what the Passover would become. And it would become what we know now as the Lord's Supper. You know, Christ kept the Passover because obedience is important to God. As a matter of fact, 1 Samuel 15 and 22 tells us to obey is better than sacrifice. And in John 14 and 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So... When we think of this and all the significance of what's just been said, we must look at the celebrating of the Lord's Supper as a high and holy event. We must take this celebration serious. How dare we take it lightly when our Lord and Savior had no place of his own. He, he knew his time was at hand and he was still obedient and faithful to observe this celebration. We have to question what what obstacles are we allowing to keep us from celebrating the Lord's Supper? And I pray there's no professing Christian in this place that will ever take this supper so lightly that they would rather stay in the comfort of their own home than to come because they know it's just Lord's Supper. I, would, I pray I pray that, we will, that no one will ever walk through the doors on a Sunday morning, notice this table, and just decide, I'm not going to stay for worship. It's not worth my time. I pray that we will not allow the enjoyment of, of recreational activities to keep us from celebrating the Lord's Supper. I pray that the lust of our eyes and the lust of our flesh and nor our pride would keep us from a day so high and holy as this. Believe it or not, there's coming a day when a change is going to take place. There's people in hospitals that would love to be right where you're at. There are people in their homes who can't get out and come here who would rather be where you're at than where they're at. And that day's coming to us. And because that day's coming to us while we can, we must take it serious. The Bible says work while it's day. For night cometh when no man shall work. But not only is celebrating the Lord's Supper serious, but born again believers should never miss the Lord's Supper because it's an appeal to sinners. Preacher, you've lost your mind. Well, <laughs> you can tell me that later. If we look here in the text, we can see the Lord's Supper was used as an appeal to a sinner. Look there in verses 20 through 25. And we see that Christ used this occasion of the supper to appeal to Judas. He gave Judas a last chance to repent of his sin. Christ took three steps with Judas, and the first step he took was was that he revealed Judas's sin. Well, can you imagine the shock around the table to hear that one of these twelve men would betray Jesus Christ? That it would have made it would have made sense if it had been a Pharisee. It would have made sense if it would have been a Sadducee it would have made sense if it was the high priest it would have made sense if it was a Levite the religious leaders hated and despised Jesus but Jesus said one of you shall betray me this sin is a sin of deception Judas had done a good job to hide himself and his sin The people he spent most time with had no idea about his plot. Eleven men had spent time with Judas for over three years, and not one of them had an idea of the evil within his heart. But Jesus knew. But Jesus knew. This statement by Jesus that one of you will betray me pierced the disciples' hearts so that the Bible says in verse 22 that he, they were exceedingly sorrowful. They weren't just sorrowful. They were experiencing great sorrow. In other words, in the moment of hearing these words, it pierced them so that they were experiencing pain with their sorrow. And they began to question themselves. They began to question their own intentions. They began to ask, is it I? <laughs> we, have, we love to say, well, God knows my heart. You better believe he does. Amen. Problem with that is you don't know your heart. These men didn't know their heart. And it was evident because they asked knowing they hadn't done anything. They had had a a backdoor meeting. They had been meeting behind the water fountains. They hadn't been getting behind closed doors with somebody to exchange money. But they were even asking themselves because they couldn't trust their own heart. Hmm. Jesus identifies Judas as not only, he doesn't only identify his sin, but he identifies Judas as the guilty party. He says here, he who (coughs) still, his hand with me in the dish will betray me. Imagine the deception, would you? The sinner sat with Christ. He partook of the Lord's last supper. He plotted and he was guilty of this most terrible sin. This fulfilled the prophecy that we find in Psalm forty-one and nine, which says, "Even my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me." As Jesus, Jesus shared that Judas was the guilty party, but he also shared that J- Judas' fate. The one who would betray him, it would have been better for him (laughs) if he had never been born. This actually gave Judas the opportunity to confess his sin and deception. He had an opportunity right there to confess his betrayal. He was given the opportunity to repent hint of his sin but instead Judas thought he could keep the masquerade up he even asked Jesus specifically if it was him thinking surely he can't know it's me but Jesus answered and assured Judas that he knew when he said you have said it church family the Lord's Supper It must be taken serious because of its appeal to sinners. And you and I, we were all sinners. And as a matter of fact, we're just sinners saved by grace. Aren't you glad of his grace and his mercy? That reached down from heaven and saved such a sinner like me. And that should be all our testimony. How great and marvelous is our Lord. That he would see nothing worth saving and say I'll save you. I'll die for you to save you. We were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity and if we were if we're not walking near to our Lord and Savior, we can find ourselves living a life of deception. Yes, we may get away with deceiving our friends. We can get away with deceiving our family. We can get away with deceiving our co-workers and even our church family. But we will never Deceive our all knowing Lord and Savior. He knows our heart, our own heart may deceive us, but Jesus will not be deceived. And you can believe he keeps an accurate account. (laughs) So, whatever we take, whenever we take part in the Lord's Supper, just like the disciples, we must take a moment to examine ourselves we need to examine our intentions and our motives we must ask if Jesus is just our teacher or is he our Lord what do you mean preacher well we have to notice what Judas does here Judas calls Jesus rabbi when he asks him is it I who will betray you he calls him rabbi in other words he said teacher The other disciples, if you go back up into the the text, you find that they said, Lord. (laughs) There's a difference when you're calling someone your teacher and when you're calling them your Lord. And Judas made it clear that Jesus was not his Lord, he was his teacher. And, and we have to really understand that it. that it is safe to assume that here that Judas, the son of perdition, was never a genuine believer. I've had people tell me they just didn't believe Judas uh, was a devil. They believe he became a devil. Well, the Bible calls him the son of perdition. And truth is, being born in sin, being shaped in iniquity, until we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're all devil worshippers anyway. You may not like that. That's fine. We serve either the enemy or we serve our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no in between. It doesn't matter if we've been raised in the church or not. If I reject Jesus Christ, then he is not my Lord. Our enemy is our Lord. We must examine... Ourselves to be sure that he's more than a man whose teachings we want our lives to align with, but that he is Lord and Savior of our lives. Because the consequence of our sin is so great that we may, if we face sin's consequence, we will, we will pay the penalty of our sin and we will wish we were never born that is exactly what Jesus was about to face the penalty for your sin the penalty for my sin the penalty for the sin of the world he understood fully the seriousness of it so now before we take part in the Lord's Supper, I want to appeal to each of you. If you are a born-again believer right now, I ask right now, would you focus your heart? As they become they come to lead us in the song of invitation, would you just take time right now to focus your heart and your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ and examine yourself that if there's any unconfessed sin in your life, I ask that you settle that with the Lord right now. But if you're here today and you've never been saved or you made a profession of faith some time ago, but you don't have the assurance that if you leave this world today, that heaven is your home, I ask that today, would be the day that you would confess your sin to Jesus. Repent, turn away from your sin, and ask Him to be Lord of your life. Ask Him to be your Savior. I ask that today would be the day that you would commit to following Him. Would you? As they begin to sing this song, if you're ready to commit your life to Jesus, and make him your Lord and Savior. I invite you to come and I'll pray with you. I can talk with you, but you have to make the decision for yourself. Would you come?